Amen. Now, I used to believe that um, strength comes in one form only. Right? I used to believe that strength comes from working out. And I used to define strength as the size of your muscles. And I know probably some of you may define strength as how loud you project your voice. You'll probably see that in kids, you know, when they want to be heard. They raise their voices, Mom, Dad. But people define strength in so many different ways. Okay? Some define strength by the size of their power. You know, we see it in boxing and God forbid it doesn't happen in any of the families that you're growing up in. But strength, I'm learning, that is not defined by the size of these muscles or how loud you speak or scream. But true strength comes from within. Amen. This is the strength that we'll be looking at. The strength that when pastor was reading the scripture, the strength that comes by the Spirit of God. Strength that comes from the inner man. Amen. I've met a few strong people in my life, if I can be frank. And some of them have been in this very room that we're in today. And there's not too many big people in here. But I've met some really strong people, spiritually strong people from within. And this is the strength that we'll be looking at. And I'm really going to drive this so you actually get it. Amen. Now, it is entirely my opinion that if you, if you study, uh, if, you, if you go to a school ground, right, and just study of a group of kids just playing, I have realized that the weakest kids in the playground, they're the bullies. If you study that group very well, you realize that the bullies really believe that to prove their strength, they have to slap others around or push others around, you know, just say things to them so they can prove their strength beat them, punch them. But you study that group long enough, you realize that the strongest of the kids are actually the ones being bullied. Because with time, they eventually show their strength. Anyone ever been a victim of bullying? Yeah? 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 And if I was to ask you what happened in the end, you probably had a different experience in the end. The ones being bullied are usually stronger than the bullies. Amen. So if God has given you that wisdom and you've experienced that or you're experiencing that, I can surely bet that there is a lot of strength brewing from within you. And that is the strength that we're looking at. The strength that we've been reading in, 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 in Mark 16, we're just going to look at, look at that again. But this is a strength that manifests itself in many different forms. Let's look at Mark I know you got one finger on Matthew 4, but let's look at Matthew 16, verse 17 to 20, just for reference purposes. Um, I know you've read this over and over again. But the strength that we're talking about manifests itself in many different ways. And it says, These sons will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in your tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill, and they will get well. Strength. Strength. Now this strength, we cannot get it anywhere else other than from God. This is spiritual strength. That we're trusting God for this season. That manifests itself in this very form. That when we lay hands upon the sick, they will get well. That when we drink deadly poison, we will not die. 
Amen. Strength. How to be strong as disciples. Do we have an idea of the strength that we're talking about now? How to be strong as disciples. Not the ones that spend a lot of time in the gym, but the ones that spend a lot of time in the spirit. Amen. Now let's turn back to, um, to the scripture initially, which I mentioned in um, Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. And I'll go to the second part of my, um, my definitions. Uh, it's a well-known passage um, that perhaps some of us have read it many, many times. But a new revelation came up to me as I was studying this, and it really just blew my mind. I'll read it from verse 18. And it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, into the lake, shall I say, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I know other, other versions say, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. How to be stronger disciples. Now there's something there that's probably that we can't see clearly. But it is my prayer that by the time we're finished we can see really what just happened there. Now just to give you a, a bit of a background now. These guys were fishermen. By the Sea of Galilee. Now this was a big, fishing was a big industry back in the day. I mean, we do know, if you've been in how long enough, you do know this was a fishing town in its own right. So it was built based on the fishing industry. So the fishing trade was very big. Now imagine what it was like in Jesus' day. It was even bigger. The Sea of Galilee was a big, it's a, it is a big sea. If you've been privileged to be, to be, if you've gone there, you probably know this. But it was surrounded by 30 fishing towns at the time. And Capernaum was one of them, which is mentioned later on in this passage, but we're not looking at that. But these guys were in business. They probably had the best boats in the day, as they were fishermen. They had the best equipment. They knew what they were doing. They were really, you know, plugged in to their business until Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. So we do have a background there of what was going on. These guys were fishermen. They were doing their business, their employees, their, their, you know, they had everything going on at the time until Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, let's look at the word disciple. Because this is where it originates from. If we look at the biblical definition of disciple when we read about these guys later on and what they did in the book of Acts, it's, uh, I've got this definition a disciple is a personal follower of Christ during his life, especially one of the twelve apostles. Amen. The word disciple originates from a Latin word, dishia, which is spelled D-I-S-C-E-R-E, dishia, or dishite, which means learn. It also matures from dishia to discipulus which is D-E-S-C-I-P-U-L-U-S, which means learner. And from there, it was reinforced by old French. So it was then translated into French. And from then, we see the word disciple, which is what we have now, disciple, follower. Now, the interesting thing when we look at those definitions, when I try to look at where did the word disciple come from, so it originates from Latin, 
And it was translated into French, which is what we get from this word disciple. If you look at those definitions, it doesn't say lent or learned. It's not in past tense. I'm not sure if you get it. Disciple is continuous. It's progressive. It's never fully accomplished. As a disciple of Christ, our journey in Christ is always ongoing. Amen. We're continuously learning, continuously growing. So when I looked at that, I thought, okay, this is, this is interesting. So a stronger disciple of Christ means I keep on following God in every decision, in every step that I take, in every moment, in every season, I'm continuously following Christ, listening to his word, seeking his word, hearing his word, never stopping for a second. I'm never fully satisfied for in every season and in every moment, I'm consistently listening and waiting to hear what Jesus has to say. Amen. Now, looking at these two guys, remembering what I said initially earlier on, that stronger disciples, they know who they are following. They know why they are following. And they know their purpose. Now, let's look at, uh, let's look at Simon and Andrew. Now, these guys... If we look at, if we study the scripture, we realize that these guys were John's disciples initially. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Let's turn to, to John, John 1, uh, we're going to read from verse 35 to, um, to 42. Are we getting a good foundation? Discipleship. Uh, John 1, verse 35 to 42. I'll read it for you. Are we all there? And it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Amen. Turning around, Jesus said, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and, and told him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which is then translated Peter. So these are the guys that we're reading about in Matthew 4. We know where they're coming from, right? They were John's disciples. They had John, John declare him as the Messiah. John had the revelation. He paved the way for Jesus. And now 
they know who Jesus is. So now when we look at in Matthew 4 verse 18 to 20, and Jesus says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once these guys leave whatever they're doing and they follow Jesus. Bearing in mind that disciples know who they are following. These guys had a good idea who Jesus was from the previous encounter, right? They had met before. They knew what he was about. They knew the mission that Jesus was carrying. So they didn't have to ask any questions. They simply left their businesses and they followed Jesus. Amen. Stronger disciples know who they are following. And he said to them, I will make you fishes of men. So in other words, leave your, your fishing business. Instead, I will teach you how to fish for men. They knew exactly why they were following Jesus. To fish for men. They knew who he was. They had met him before. And they knew exactly why they were following him. Amen. Am I losing anyone? Stronger disciples know who they are following. And they know why they are following. Amen. And the question I have for you is, where are you now? Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are following? And do you know why you are following? And that's why I say this is a very prophetic word for us in this season, because I feel God will drive that, and God will bring us to knowing who we really are, who He is in our lives, and why really are we following Him? What is our purpose? Now, I, I love what these guys did, you know. I love, I, I love this, just, this whole experience just ministers to me, and it's just so exciting. Because... To be a good disciple, you have to be good at following. I think it has to be one of the hardest things in our generation, you know. With the whole independence thing, you can, you can be whoever you want to be, you can believe in whatever you, you want to believe in. <laughs> Literally, everyone is independent. You can make money from anywhere. You know, I think, when I, when I think of... Um, People, I meet quite a few people nowadays who, um, not nowadays, but I've often had in my walk with Christ. When you ask them, do you believe in God? They say, nah, 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 nah I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't need God. I had a friend that, um, that I had the pleasure of sharing some time with. I was a tour and Amy was, yeah, I called him to help us move. And he says, nah, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need all that. I don't need to go to church. I don't need any of that. I don't need to, you know, you know. But here's an interesting thing. I'm not talking about him. But if you, if you look at the people really well that usually say, I don't need Jesus, the, the very same people that say that, look at their lives really well. You can actually say to them, I think you need Jesus. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, come on, man, you really need Jesus. Amen. A vision makes it easier to follow. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't know where you're going, it's very, very hard to follow. Amen. Jesus gave these disciples a vision the very second he called them. So they knew why they were following him, and they knew why and where they were going. So it was easy for them to leave everything behind and go. It would be easier for you to fulfill your purpose in Christ if you knew 
what God has called you for and where God has taken you. And it will be very easy to abide by His Word. It will be very, very easy just to submit and walk with them. Amen. I think Jesus doesn't like people that just follow Him aimlessly. If He had just said to these guys, just follow me, I think it would have been different. But He said, and I will make you fishes of men. They'd seen Him preach, they'd heard about Him, they'd seen what He's done. So now to follow him is easier because we know what you're doing and you know, we know where you're taking us. Amen. For without a vision, people perish. Let's look at that in Proverbs 29 verse 18. Only too long. Proverbs 29 verse 18. A familiar scripture for most of you, you don't even need to open it. And it says, my version says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, it's easier to read that, and I think a lot of us know the times we sort of brushed off that scripture. I did the same until I really started to look at it deeply. And I realized that the revelation, I mean, um, anyone else has a different word to that than revelation? Where there is no... Amen. I like that version. What version is that? Right? Where there is no prophecy. I think that simplifies it. Yours says... Where there is no prophetic vision. Where there is no prophetic vision. Where there is no prophetic vision. I like that. Where there is no prophetic vision. When I remember, when I look at my younger days in Christ, I think the day that God revealed to me who He wanted me to be was a breakthrough for me in my life. It was, I think it stands today by far the one of the best days in my experiences in Christ. I remember when God said, I'm calling you to, to go into the marketplace. God has called me to many different things, but this was the first step towards defining me as a person. And I remember standing up and, and giving my testimony and sharing about business and, and, and just challenging everyone, which didn't make sense to, to myself and a lot of you <laughs> who were sitting there. I remember someone came up to me after the service and said, what if God has called me to work in a care home? and earn eight pounds an hour, and said, well, that's up to you. But what, what I'm saying is, I had come up, God had said, this is who I want you to be. So I came up excited and I told everyone what I want, you to, what I want to be and what I believe God has called me to be. But of course, it provoked a few people, which is fine, which is fine, but it set me free. I really thank God for that experience. Because I think there is no one in this room that can say they don't know where God is taking me. My question is, where is God taking you? And I strongly believe that God has placed us in here for a very good reason. Every single one of us in here, God has a purpose and a will for us. And when the version says where there is no prophetic vision, I think it kind of implies the importance of prophecy in our lives. For prophecy gives direction.
The moment I found out, you know, when, when, through that experience, I started to really, I remember the season that, that came about. Valerie had shared, um, Valerie had shared during that time, um, what, was, what was the message? Do you still remember? It's that long ago, you probably won't remember. But it was about purpose. When about 2012-2013, it was about purpose. Some of you probably remember. But I really took a grip of that message, and my purpose came about. And the second I knew that, it was easier to serve. For vision cures a lot of things. Vision cures jealousy. Vision cures confusion. Once you know where God is taking you, there is no way in the world you can be jealous of another person or confused about your own destiny. It's impossible. So I started running around and serving people and serving the worship team. I really just, I couldn't care really whether I could sing or not. <laughs> but I knew where God had called me to be so I could serve others better. For I knew what my calling was. So when Jesus says to these guys, follow me and I will make you fishes of men, these guys had direction, they had vision. They didn't really care. They knew it was a dangerous job for I'm pretty sure that a storm was brewing already with the Romans talking about Jesus. But they knew it was a dangerous thing. But they had vision and he had called them and told them who he wants them to be. Nothing else mattered. Amen. Vision cures envy. Vision cures jealousy. Vision cures confusion. Vision gives anyone stability in any place, anywhere. Makes you stronger as a person. No one can rob your vision of you. No one can take that away from you. And we know that when God gives you a vision, it is yours for life. It is yours, purely yours. Now, how you go about it is another story. How long you take to get there is a whole other story. But for as long as you know, you will never be lost. That is a map to guide you back to where you need to be. This is why I say this is a prophetic word for us in here. That it is time to look at what has God called me to be. What has God called you to be? And begin to write down. Begin to write down. I like to do this as often as I can with, with Amy and I. <laughs> and I keep telling her, write, write. So we have goals and whatever, you know, everything that we believe God has called us to be. And, you know, we believe that there are many different ways in which God will, will make those things come to pass. Okay? So if we meet someone who is part of that vision or someone who, who brings in a certain perspective or just a bit of something that will add to our vision. We write that down. So okay, we've met this so-and-so. What have they got that can help my vision? So in ministry, I'm pretty sure uh, you meet someone who's also a pastor who brings in a different side of what you want to improve your life and your vision. So you write them down, you start to spend more time with them. You, This is what vision does. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
And if we look it out there where there is no, where there is rejection of God's word, to put it in simple terms, crime and sin run wild. You study our society very well, you realize that all people need is God. And they need vision and direction. For without that, it's easy. It's easy to be destroyed. It's easy to be confused and distracted. Amen. I'm drawn to a close. I strongly believe that any of us being in each other's lives, it is God's divine calling. It is God's will. If we can all please stand as we head for a close. It is God's desire that you are here. And this is part of your journey. And this is a word for some of you. As God has placed you here, your breakthrough is in this room. Your breakthrough is in this room. Now you can go and pray for as long as you can, for as long as you want. But Jesus knew when he said to them, come follow me and I will make you fishes of men. And one of my favorite scriptures that I shared with you a few months ago is in Revelation 3.12. I'll, I'll read that for you. Don't need to, um, to go there. Um, it just reminds us that Jesus wants strong disciples and it refers to us in that scripture as pillars. God wants strong disciples that will not be swayed by culture. That will not be swayed by popular opinion. Lord, make me a stronger disciple. Lord, what is your purpose in my life? Who have you called me to be, O oh God? Realign my vision. Realign my goals, Heavenly Father, for everything leads to you, O oh God. And everything that I am, and all that I am, O oh God, it belongs to you. It stems from you, Heavenly Father. You are the root, O oh God. You are the foundation of my calling. You are the foundation, Heavenly Father, of my vision. The vision that I have, O oh God, it all leads to you, O oh God. It all stems from your house, O oh God. There is no way I can build my vision outside of your house. My vision stems from your house, O oh God. It all begins in your house, O oh God. For this is where I met you, O oh God. This is where I met you, Heavenly Father. Right here in your house, Heavenly Father. This is where I belong, O oh God, in your house. And all that I will ever become, Heavenly Father, stems from your presence. It stems from your presence. It stands from your presence. And I will build from your house, O oh God. 